Welcome to another episode of Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights here with Rich Klein. We're going to talk about, it's not a dilemma, but uh, a fork in the road of how someone may want to spend uh, their Saturday afternoon, how they want to spend time. Uh, did an episode, a short episode a while back about job, job uh, opportunities within the hobby. And it's, you know, in the sense of making money uh, and uh, enjoying your time, there's different ways to do that. We're going to compare and contrast three of those. But first, thanks to the sponsors. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Rich's uh, employer, uh, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Upper Deck, Panini, and Tops. So, Rich, let me lay out the scenario for you. Welcome to the show. But uh, I'm gonna, if I were going to spend from 10 to 4 on a Saturday afternoon at a show, whether it was your show, on a, which then would be on a Sunday afternoon but or Sunday morning, but I got six hours to spend, I want to enjoy the hobby, and I, but I also would like to make some money. If I were the promoter, if I were a dealer at the show behind the table, or if I was a buyer, browser, roamer around the show, I think you know what I'm going to say. But before I say what I would, what, what would you, you, I've actually worn all three of those hats. So have I. And so have you. So you, what, what is your preference for a 10 to four segment on a weekend day? Let's say what compare and contrast. Cause you could make 600 bucks if you had, 200 admissions at three bucks or, you know, sold, uh, you know, the tables and all that stuff. Or if you're selling cards, you could profit, uh, let's say plus or minus a hundred dollars an hour. That's 600 bucks. And if you were a buyer, perhaps you could buy stuff that would be worth $600 more than what you paid for it. So just with that in mind, what, what's your decision point? Cause you've done all three. I think it depends on the, the type of show and the circumstance. And as a promoter, what I really enjoyed was greeting the people at the door, okay. seeing what they bought making sure they had a good experience, excuse me, making sure that, you know, all the issues are dealt with. And thankfully, I've never really had big issues at my show. I've had a couple of minor things. So that's an enjoyable way to make a lot of people to be happy, the promoter, to be the promoter. the promoter, the dealer, you're selling cards. So you're, you're helping collectors or possibly even resellers get what they want, which is fine by me. If you know more than I do on something, by all means, go that make your profit. That doesn't happen very often, but okay. Well, on, on some of the modern stuff okay, where, the, okay, okay. but, um, I'm okay with that because I've made my money. Okay. And because you bought right. Because so I you're going to sell at a price that you're comfortable with. Right. And then as the walk around, which is something I'll do at some of the shows or at a national, I do some walking around. I'm very comfortable buying, buying cards that I know I'm going to make money on when I bring them back to Dallas. Right. So I'm okay with all three. So scenarios. it depends. It, it depends, depends on the circumstance. I think you get the most enjoyment depending on your personality. Okay. I think getting a good deal makes you feel the best. So being a collector is good if you really feel you want to make a good deal. If you feel that you want to make the most people happy, it's the promoter. And if you just like turning merchandise, it's the dealer. I probably did enjoy being a promoter, but that's been, wow, it's 40-something years. I haven't promoted shows since the 70s, mid early 70s, actually. So that goes way back, which I don't even know if there was admission or the tables might have been 10 bucks or something. So it wasn't a money-making uh, big opportunity, but it was a lot of fun. And bringing everybody together. I'm a convener a little bit. I enjoy doing that. So I'm just realizing. But it's way more, you know, we're talking about the 10 to 4. That is not the main work of the promoter. The main work of the promoter is beforehand of promoting and lining up the dealers and getting the room set up and all that stuff. And I know you've helped for that. I'd help when I was doing that. Right. But it's still a lot of work in advance to be able to enjoy when the people come in and yeah. they have a good experience. When you talk about the Adat show, we're, this is, we're going to be stuffing the bags this week. You know? Okay. And okay. so... I stay out of the bag stuffing part of it, other than just being there, you know, just to be, hey, Rich, what do we do with this? Put them in the bag. That's basically the, the discussion. And, you know, enjoying the banter and the camaraderie with the members of the Brotherhood, 
yeah. as we're putting the, the cards in the bag. But other than that, I, I like to say with the Adacho, I do 99% of the work before the show and about 1% of the work the day of the show. Well, and the, the, which means the show is enjoyable for, for those who come as well as for right. you too. And then you're kind of at the first table when right. people walk in so you can be the greeter and, and all that stuff. So that, that really works for you. I see that. But when you're at a table, do you feel, I don't feel claustrophobic when I'm behind the table, but I am kind of stuck. You are kind of stuck. And that's why a lot of dealers, even say, if I'm making money, that's why a lot of dealers like to walk around it, even the biggest shows, because they say they can make more money and not feel that they're stuck behind a table. You know, to me, it depends on the circumstance. Depends on the type of show. And the type of show. Because in the National, there's so many amazing things. Right. Being behind your table would be would be frustrating if you really were interested in stuff. Yeah, no, right. I, but I, if you're not and you get enough you, know, you get enough cards, you know, and you have so much inventory already that... And if you have more help. You know, if sometimes if you bring more help, you can get out a little bit too. The other person can right, get out. Right. You know, and it's good to have three... If you can bring three or four people, that's even better. Yeah. I mean, I just... You know, you were there, you know, you knew me when, but I mean, when we went to the National as Beckett Publications, we did bring three or four. We brought 30 or 40, it seemed like. But thankfully, that allowed you and me to kind of walk around and be free to, to, to browse, although it wasn't for buying necessarily, although we did pick up a lot of type cards, but it was, you know, it kind of cased the place to know that we were on track pricing wise and right. we did trying a lot to of be represented what's going on. In the, the year industry. 2000 at the Anaheim yeah. National, when grading, our grading comp really took yeah. off. I mean, we had, I think, one or two nine five Jordan eighty six seven Fleers, like on the first night, and from there it just exploded. <clears throat> Mark Harwell had come up with the brilliant idea of feeding everybody donuts and coffee in the morning, <laughs> which actually was a brilliant idea. Yeah, you know, nothing, nothing gets everybody going better than free donuts and coffee in the morning. Now, he got, he got donuts for every dealer. I mean, he had, were they Krispy Kremes? No, I think they, or were, they were something. Else. I think they were just local, local. No, but but he he basically got so many gross of donuts. Yes. Were we selling them or giving them away? We gave them away. I think we gave them away. And then we, yeah, I just have a sugar crash about two hours after I eat But that show, that, we did so well, yeah. so well graded that every person, I think, except for you and me, were called off the grading floor to help grade. To help because we were overwhelmed. We were overwhelmed. It's a good overwhelming. It's game. a really good overwhelming. And it was funny. On my first time, I went to the National for Com C. You know, they said, Rich, when are you working in the booth? I said, I'm not. And they go, excuse me? I said, no, I'm a lot more valuable to you walking yeah, the floor yeah. than being at the corporate booth. You have enough help for that. My job's to walk the floor. And I said, and I explained that, well, all these years, Jim wanted me to walk the floor. Now I'm explaining to you why I walk the floor. And they're going to me, uh, are you sure? Yeah. And now from this point on, it's like, Rich, walk the floor. Enjoy. <laughs> okay. We, we have a mutual friend, Bob Lemke. And Bob Lemke, if I think about would because I get a kick out of buying something right. Yes, and le- more of a kick than selling something right. But Bob Lemke was kind of in the middle. Is it he didn't necessarily have to buy it or sell it. He took a photo of it, and so a lot of the standard catalog photos were Bob Lemke doing a little bit like what we did. Yes, we generally would try to buy the card so we could figure out how we wanted to size it or front and back or you know, however we wanted to do do it. And 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 it really helped. We started the grading because we had physical cards to compare to, not just uh, transparencies or slides. But would you get a bigger kick out of selling something or buying something or just seeing it? I, to me, I, we saw, I saw a local collection of a mutual friend of ours. We won't mention his name because of the Because I already know who it is. But you yeah, already know okay. who it is. But I won't blow the whistle. And we won't blow the whistle. And I go to his house. Yes. And he's got a very nice house. And he's got a very nice collection. 
and I ask them to show me stuff I've never seen before. Yeah. You know, this is you. This is what this is my old train. Oh, you gonna, no, that's great. So he's showing me, and then as the end is like, I'm there two hours, and it's really been fun. He says he goes to his goes to his safe, pulls out a Wagner. Yeah. So I go that night to dinner with my wife. I have, yeah, I saw all these really <laughs> cool things, these 1912 postcards and these. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, he has a Wagner. Well, my wife, who had not been paying any attention, heard yeah. the word Wagner and said, he has a Wagner and you didn't, <laughs> and you're burying the lead and you're not talking about that. Honey, I've seen 20 yeah. Wagners in my life. Yeah. I don't need to see another one. But this but, other stuff, but this other stuff I've never some seen. Some of which could be one of a kind. Some of which could be very, very, very short. Now short that was print. interesting. She goes, you're strange. But again, it's not, but, but again, uh, so much, uh, the, the hobby is strong right now. But it's not frustrating to you or me to see a card that is not for sale. No, not at it's all. It's his card. I appreciate that. You know, he he was a very, very avid collector, and uh, uh, you know was you know, did well enough in his job that he could afford to pay uh, strong prices back in the day, which now look like really really cheap prices. But again, not frustrated if 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 I don't buy it, if I just see it. But but uh, after all those years of doing the price guide and not buying, now when I go to a show and I see something, hey, that's that's a good deal. I'm, Think I can buy it, and then I I worry less about the selling. I think if I buy right, and and what I'm seeing is that is that uh, when I go to these shows, there's uh, the people that are selling the cards generally are buying so right that they can pass on the savings a little bit. But it's almost like there's a wholesale aspect to it because they haven't fully sorted things out. They pulled out the very best cards, but there's another level of um, that was- scrutiny that you're willing to put in that I. That was the old Tom Reed thing when I bought from Tom yeah. Reed. He'd say, I paid one fifty for this, Rich, it's two hundred. I pulled out these three cards. There you go. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'm gonna make money. I did, I did I've done that a few times too. That's that's a lot of fun. I mean I I like uh, yeah. I mean I like the the hunt. And so to sell cards that I already have, that's kind of like anticlimactic. But yes. to go through a box of cards, whether it was back in the day when I was looking at fifty six tops or or now, which could be just who knows what's in there, just looking for interesting stuff, um, or buying a collection. I've I've mentioned that uh, one, you know, I've actually bought some things from Heritage, but but more from Huggins and Scott. There are these lots. If it's just one card, then you know that's the card, that's the grade, that's the value, and you know if you really need it. But if you buy a whole bunch of cards and you can't really even know every card that's in there, to me that's more fun. And even if I bought some I didn't need. I'll I'll figure out a way to transact them later. You know, I bought 200 cards last weekend, and I think I and then I looked and I said, oh, I screwed up on three of them, and it's like, okay, no big deal. I'm going to make enough on the others that the three cards I goofed up on for the dollar or whatever it was. Okay, no big deal. Uh, some of the episodes I was doing uh, a week or two ago, perhaps, were the Valentine's things, and so the, the Valentine's, and it was basically the the the. Um, having an understanding wife. <laughs> and so I, I mentioned that, uh, you know, give your wife a hug if she's a collector, but I, I neglected to say, give your wife a hug if she's not a collector too. <laughs> so just to set that record straight. But would you factor that in for people that have a family? It would seem like being a dealer, if you want to make money in the hobby, then selling cards is what you have to do. And so these guys that are, if, they, if they're like me and they say, well, I just love to buy, well, eventually you got to sell or something's got to give. And if yeah. you're a promoter, you say, hey, I made all this money. And it may sound like a lot of money by being the promoter, but you know there was an awful lot of work that went on. You can't divide how much you made by the six hours of the show. No, every, so, every part of that has extra extra, extra things. Stuff. Your dealer, you've prepped your cards for sale. You've either you've done something to put them in a box or to put them in a sleeve or to put them in a semi-rigid. Or, or not. Or and not. if they don't, then they're, forgo- they're reducing their labor and they're realizing they're going to have to charge less. And I'm willing to operate in that environment. You are too. Right. And, and so then, that's, 
you know, they're trading their time for foregoing some profits. They're going to make a first pass through. I bought the 200 cards. I finished processing the two the 200 cards the next day. So some went back yeah. into a dime box. Some went into my uh, for sale box. That's what I'm doing, except that, you know, my for sale box? They go to Com C. <laughs> well, no, no, that, well, there's a, I'll send some stuff to Com C. The problem is the other box is the for sale or giveaway. And that box just sits on the shelf and I'm running out of shelves. That's why I want to do these eBay experiments because I have some groups of cards that I think I bought them right to where I can uh, break even. But again, I pulled out cards that I wanted and, and uh, had some fun with that. So, uh, so Rich, you are a promoter and you are a dealer and you are a card buyer. And I prefer buying and your final answer. My final answer is I think depends. It depends, but I think card buying is the most fun because the hunt is what's yeah. really fun. Even Al, the late Alan Rosen, to him, he even to the, the day the, he passed, the find. He was always looking yeah, for the next the find. find. Right. And actually, the selling, he, he, we mentioned this. He, he, he left money on the table. Right. Know? Once and he when you really buy it right, then he knew he could make money, and he had his uh, middle pre- people, the people that would would uh, that he would parlay off his stuff. They were salivating because they knew he bought right, and they were gonna they were gonna buy from him stuff that they liked at a price where they could still make good money. And I'll leave you with this quote from John Brochi. John would buy a lot of stuff from Alan back in the day. Yeah. And John's line of the show is that his goal of the show was to break totally even because he figured he was making really? money on what he... He had a store too, so he had other outlets. Oh, okay. and he had the auction, monthly auction he was running. So if he broke even at the show, he made money from what he sold at the show, and then he was going to make money from what he bought at the show. So for him, okay. breaking even at a show... Obviously, making money is good, but breaking even was even better because he was going to keep making money for the next run. Well, I like that. I mean, you got to keep coming up with new inventory. Otherwise, there's so many card shops that did great in their first year because they sold their stock of what they had when they were they accumulated. Right. But if you didn't reload, your second year is going to be a slump. So uh, thanks, listeners. Thanks, Rich. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. Uh, enjoyed uh, visiting about this, and uh, we'll do something else tomorrow. And uh, again, happy collecting.